the art of reading by ainsworth rand spofford sixth librarian of congress this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the true university of these days says a great scholar of our century thomas carlyle is a collection of books and all education is to teach us how to read if there were any volume out of the multitude of books about books that have been written which could illuminate the pathway of the unskilled reader so as to guide him into all knowledge by the shortest road what a boon that book would be when we survey the vast and rapidly growing product of the modern press when we see these hosts of poets without imagination historians without accuracy critics without discernment and novelists without invention or style in short the whole prolific brood of writers who do not know how to write we are tempted to echo the sentiment of wordsworth the intellectual power through words and things goes sounding on a dim and perilous way the most that any one can hope to do for others is to suggest to them a clue which however feeble has helped to guide his uncertain footsteps through the labyrinthian maze of folly and wisdom which we call literature the knowledge acquired by a librarian while it may be very wide and very varied runs much risk of being as superficial as it is diversified there is a very prevalent but very erroneous notion which conceives of a librarian as a kind of animated encyclopedia who if you tap him in any direction from a to z will straightway pour forth a flood of knowledge upon any subject in history science or literature this popular ideal however fine in theory has to undergo what commercial men call a heavy discount when reduced to practice the librarian is a constant and busy worker in far other fields than exploring the contents of books his day is filled with cataloguing arranging and classifying them searching catalogues selecting new books correspondence directing assistance keeping library records adjusting accounts etc in the midst of which he is constantly at the call of the public for books and information what time has he wearied by the day's multifarious and exacting labors for any thorough study of books so when any one begins an inquiry with you know everything can you tell me i say stop a moment omniscience is not a human quality i really know very few things and am not quite sure of some of them there are many men and women too in almost every community whose range of knowledge is more extended than that of most librarians the idea then that because one lives perpetually among books he absorbs all the learning that they contain must be abandoned as a popular delusion to know a little upon many subjects is quite compatible with not knowing much about any one beware of the man of one book is an ancient proverb pregnant with meaning the man of one book if it is wisely chosen and if he knows it all can sometimes confound a whole assembly of scholars an american poet once declared to me that all leisure time is lost that is not spent in reading shakespeare and we remember emerson's panegyric upon plato's writings borrowing from the caliph omar his famous but apocryphal sentence against all books but the koran burn all the libraries for their value is in this book 
so sheffield duke of buckingham read homer once and you can read no more for all books else appear so tame so poor verse will seem prose but still persist to read and homer will be all the books you need of course i am far from designing to say anything against the widest study which great libraries exist to supply and to encourage and all utterances of a half-truth like the maxim i have quoted are exaggerations but the saying points a moral and that is the supreme importance of thoroughness in all that we undertake the poetical wiseacre who endowed the world with the maxim a little learning is a dangerous thing does not appear to have reflected upon the logical sequence of the dictum namely that if a little learning upon any subject is dangerous then less must be still more dangerous the art of reading to the best advantage implies the command of adequate time to read the art of having time to read depends upon knowing how to make the best use of our days days are short and time is fleeting but no one's day ever holds less than twenty-four hours engrossing as one's occupation may be it need never consume all the time remaining from sleep refreshment and social intercourse the half-hour before breakfast the fifteen minutes waiting for dinner given to the book you wish to read will soon finish it and make room for another the busiest men i have known have often been the most intelligent and the widest readers the idle person never knows how to make use of odd moments the busy one always knows how yet the vast majority of people go through life without ever learning the great lesson of the supreme value of moments let us suppose that you determine to devote two hours every day to reading that is equivalent to more than seven hundred hours a year or to three months of working time of eight hours a day what could you not do in three months if you had all the time to yourself you could almost learn a new language or master a new science yet this two hours a day which would give you three months of free time every year is frittered away you scarcely know how in aimless matters that lead to nothing a famous writer of our century some of whose books you have read edward bulwer lytton devoted only four hours a day to writing yet he produced more than sixty volumes of fiction poetry drama and criticism of singular literary merit the great naturalist darwin a chronic sufferer from a depressing malady counted two hours a fortunate day's work for him yet he accomplished results in the world of science which render his name immortal be not over particular as to hours or the time of day and you will soon find that all hours are good for the muse have a purpose and adhere to it with good-humoured pertinacity be independent of the advice and opinions of others the world of books like the world of nature was made for you possess it in your own way if you find no good in ancient history or in metaphysics let them alone and read books of art or poetry or biography or voyages and travels the wide domain of knowledge and the world of books are so related that all roads cross and converge like the paths that carry us over the surface of the globe on which we live many a reader has learned more of past times from good biographies than from any formal history and it is a fact that many owe to the plays of shakespeare and the novels of walter scott nearly all the knowledge which they possess of the history of england and scotland 
it is unhappily true that books do not teach the use of books the art of extracting what is important or instructive in any book from the mass of verbiage that commonly overlays it cannot be learned by theory invaluable as the art of reading is as a means of enlightenment its highest uses can only be obtained by a certain method of reading which will separate the wheat from the chaff different readers will of course possess different capacities for doing this young or undisciplined minds can read only in one way and that way is to mentally pronounce every word and dwell equally upon all the parts of every sentence this comes naturally in the first instance from the mere method of learning to read in which every word is a spoken symbol and has to be sounded whether it is essential to the sense or not this habit of reading which may be termed the literal method goes with most persons through life once learned it is very hard to unlearn there are multitudes who cannot read a newspaper even without dwelling upon every word and coming to a full stop at the end of every sentence now this method of reading while it may be indispensable to all readers at some time and to some readers at all times is too slow and fruitless for the student who aims to absorb the largest amount of knowledge in the briefest space of time life is too short to be wasted over the rhetoric or the periods of an author whose knowledge we want as all that concerns us doubtless there are classes of literature in which form or expression predominates and we cannot read poetry for example or the drama or even the higher class of fiction without lingering upon the finer passages to get the full impression of their beauty in reading works of the imagination we read not for ideas alone but for expression also and to enjoy the rhythm and melody of the verse if it be poetry or if prose the finest rhetoric and the pleasing cadence of the style it is here that the literary skill of an accomplished writer and all that we understand by rhetoric becomes important while in reading for information only we may either ignore words and phrases entirely or subordinate them to the ideas which they convey in reading any book for the knowledge it contains i should as soon think of spelling out all the words as of reading out all the sentences just as in listening to a slow speaker you divine the whole meaning of what he is about to say before he has got half through his sentence so in reading you can gather the full sense of the ideas which any sentence contains without stopping to accentuate the words leaving aside the purely literary works in which form or style is a predominant element let us come to books of science history biography voyages travels etc in these the primal aim is to convey information and thus the style of expression is little or nothing the thought or the fact is all yet most writers envelop the thought or the fact in so much verbiage complicated with so many episodes beaded out thin by so much iteration and reiteration that the student must needs learn the art of skipping in self-defence to one in zealous pursuit of knowledge to read most books through is paying them too extravagant a compliment he has to read between the lines as it were to note down a fact here or a thought there or an illustration elsewhere and leaves alone all that contributes nothing to his special purpose as the quick practised eye glances over the visible signs of thought page after page is rapidly absorbed 
and a book which would occupy an ordinary reader many days in reading is mastered in a few hours the habit of reading which i have outlined and which may be termed the intuitive method or if you prefer it the shorthand method will more than double the working power of the reader it is not difficult to practice especially to a busy man who does with all his might what he has got to do but it should be learned early in life when the faculties are fresh the mind full of zeal for knowledge and the mental habits are ductile not fixed with it one's capacity for acquiring knowledge and consequently his accomplishment whether as writer teacher librarian or private student will be immeasurably increased doubtless it is true that some native or intuitive gifts must be conjoined with much mental discipline and perseverance in order to reach the highest result in this method of reading as in any other study non omnia possumus omnes virgil says and there are intellects who could no more master such a method than they could understand the binomial theorem or calculate the orbit of uranus if it be true as has been epigrammatically said that a great book is a great evil let it be reduced to a small one by the skilful use of the art of skipping then he that runs may read as he runs while without this refuge he that reads will often assuredly be tempted to run what i said just now in deprecation of set courses of reading was designed for private students only who so often find a stereotyped sequence of books barren or uninteresting it was not intended to discourage the pursuit of a special course of study in the school or the society or the reading class this is in fact one of the best means of intellectual progress here there is the opportunity to discuss the style the merits and the characteristics of the author in hand and by the attrition of mind with mind to inform and entertain the whole circle of readers in an association of this kind embracing one or two acute minds the excellent practice of reading aloud finds its best results here too the art of expression becomes important how to adapt the sound to the sense by a just emphasis intonation and modulation of the voice in short the value of a book thus read and discussed in an appreciative circle may be more than doubled to each reader it is almost literally true that no book undertaken merely as task work ever helped the reader to knowledge of permanent or material value how many persons struck by mr emerson's exalted praise of the writings of plato have undertaken to go through the dialogues alas for the vain ambition to be or to seem learned after trying to understand the phaedo or falling asleep over the gorgeous the book has been dropped as hastily as it was taken up it was not perceived that in order to enjoy or comprehend a philosopher one must have a capacity for ideas it requires almost as much intelligence to appreciate an idea as to conceive one one will bring nothing home from the most persistent cruise after knowledge unless he carries something out in the realm of learning we recognize the full meaning of that scripture that to him that hath shall be given and he that hath not though never so anxious to read and understand plato will quickly return to the perusal of his daily newspaper 
it were easier perhaps in one sense to tell what not to read than to recommend what is best worth reading in the publishing world this is the age of compilation not of creation if we seek for great original works if we must go to the wholesale merchants to buy knowledge since retail geniuses are worth but little one must go back many years for his main selection of books it would not be a bad rule for those who can read but little to read no book until it has been published at least a year or two this fever for the newest books is not a wholesome condition of the mind and since a selection must indispensably be made and that selection must be for the great mass of readers so rigid and so small why should precious time be wasted upon the ephemeral productions of the hour what business for example has one to be reading ryder haggard or amelie rivas or ian mclaren who has never read homer or dante or even so much as half a dozen plays of shakespeare one hears with dismay that about three-fourths of the books drawn from our popular libraries are novels now while such aimless reading merely to be amused is doubtless better than no reading at all it is unquestionably true that overmuch reading of fiction especially at an early age enervates the mind weakens the will makes dreamers instead of thinkers and workers and fills the imagination with morbid and unreal views of life yet the vast consumption of novels is due more to the cheapness and wide diffusion of such works and the want of wise direction in other fields than to any original tendency on the part of the young people will always read the most that which is most put before them if only the style be attractive the mischief that is done by improper books is literally immeasurable the superabundance of cheap fiction in the markets creates and supplies an appetite which should be directed by wise guidance into more improving fields a twofold evil follows upon the reading of every unworthy book in the first place it absorbs the time which should be bestowed upon a worthy one and secondly it leaves the mind and heart unimproved instead of conducing to the benefit of both as there are few books more elevating than a really good novel so there are none more fruitful of evil than a bad one and what of the newspaper it may be asked when i consider for how much really good literature we are beholden to the daily and weekly press how indispensable is its function as purveyor of the news of the world how widely it has been improved in recent years i cannot advise quarrelling with the bridge that brings so many across the gulf of ignorance yet the newspaper like the book is to be read sparingly and with judgment it is to be used not abused i call that an abuse which squanders the precious and unreturning hours over long chronicles of depravity the murders the suicides the executions the divorces the criminal trials are each and all so like one another that it is only a wanton waste of time to read them the morbid style in which social disorders of all kinds are written up in the sensational press with staring headlines to attract attention ought to warn off every healthy mind from their perusal 
every scandal in society that can be brought to the surface is eagerly caught up and paraded while the millions of people who lead blameless lives of course go unnoticed and unchronicled such journals thus inculcate the vilest pessimism instead of a wholesome and honest belief in the average decency of human nature the prolixity of the narrative too is always in monstrous disproportion to its importance does not the burning of a metropolitan theatre says a great writer take above a million times as much telling as the creation of a world here is where the art of skipping is to be rigorously applied read the newspaper by headlines only skipping all the murders all the fires all the executions all the crimes all the news except the most important and immediately interesting and you will spend perhaps fifteen or twenty minutes upon what would otherwise occupy hours it is no exaggeration to say that most persons have spent time enough over the newspapers to have given them a liberal education as all readers cannot have the same gifts so all cannot enjoy the same books there are those who can see no greatness in shakespeare but who think tupper's proverbial philosophy sublime some will eagerly devour every novel of miss braden's or the duchess or the woman calling herself ouida but they cannot appreciate the masterly fictions of thackeray i have known very good people who could not for the life of them find any humour in dickens but who actually enjoyed the strained wit of mrs partington and bill nye readers who could not get through a volume of gibbon will read with admiration a so-called history of napoleon by abbott and i fear that you will find many a young lady of to-day who is content to be ignorant of homer and shakespeare but who is ravished by the charms of trilby or the heavenly twins but taste in literature as in art or in anything else can be cultivated lay down the rule and adhere to it to read none but the best books and you will soon lose all relish for the poor ones you can educate readers into good judges in no long time by feeding them on the masterpieces of english prose and poetry surely we all have cause to deprecate the remorseless flood of fictitious literature in which better books are drowned be not dismayed at the vast multitude of books nor fear that with your small leisure you will never be able to master any appreciable share of them few and far between are the great books of the world the works which it is necessary to know may be comprised in a comparatively small compass the rest are to be preserved in the great literary conservatories some as records of the past others as chronicles of the times and not a few as models to be avoided the congressional library at washington is our great national conservatory of books as the library of the government that is of the whole people it is inclusive of all the literature which the country produces while all the other libraries are and must be more or less exclusive no national library can ever be too large in order that the completeness of the collection shall not fail and to preserve the whole of our literature it is put into the statute of copyright as a condition precedent of the exclusive right to multiply copies of any book that it shall be deposited in the library of congress apprehension is sometimes expressed that our national library will become overloaded with trash and so fail of its usefulness 
tis a lost fear there is no act of congress requiring all the books to be read the public sense is continually winnowing and sifting the literature of every period and to books and their authors every day is the day of judgment nowhere in the world is the inexorable law of the survival of the fittest more rigidly applied than in the world of books the works which are the most frequently reprinted in successive ages are the ones which it is safe to stand by books may be divided into three classes first acquaintances second friends and third intimates it is well enough to have an acquaintance with a multitude of books as with many people though in either case much time should not be given to merely pleasant intercourse that leads to no result with our literary friends we can spend more time for they awaken keen interest and are to be read with zest and consequently with profit but for our chosen intimates our heart companions we reserve our highest regard and our best hours choice and sacred is the book that makes an era in the life of the reader the book which first rouses his higher nature and awakens the reason or the imagination such a volume will many a one remember the book which first excited his own thought made him conscious of untried powers and opened to his charmed vision a new world such a book has carlyle's sartor resartus been to many or the play of hamlet read for the first time or the faust of goethe or the confessions of st augustine or an essay of emerson or john ruskin or the divine comedy of dante or even an exquisite work of fiction like john halifax or henry esmond what the book is that works such miracles is never of so much importance as the epoch in the mind of the reader which it signalizes it were vain to single out any one writer and say to all readers here is the book that must indispensably be read for the same book will have totally different effects upon different minds or even upon the same mind at different stages of development when i have been asked to contribute to the once popular symposia upon books which have helped me i have declined for such catalogues of intellectual aids are liable to be very misleading thus if i were to name the book which did more than most others for my own mind i should say that it was the emile of rousseau read at about the age of seventeen this work written with that marvellous eloquence which characterizes all the best productions of jean jacques first brought me acquainted with those advanced ideas of education which have penetrated the whole modern world yet the emile would probably appear to most of my readers trite and commonplace as it would now to me for the reason that we have long passed the period of development when its ideas were new to us but the formative power of books can never be overrated their subtle mastery to stimulate all the germs of intellectual and moral life that lie enfolded in the mind as the poet sings books are not seldom talismans and spells why should they not be so they furnish us the means and the only means whereby we may hold communion with the master spirits of all ages they bring us acquainted with the best thoughts which the human mind has produced expressed in the noblest language 
books create for us the many-sided world carry us abroad out of our narrow provincial horizons and reveal to us new scenery new men new languages and new modes of life as we read the mind expands with the horizon and becomes broad as the blue heaven above us with homer we breathe the fresh air of the pristine world when the light of poetry gilded every mountain top and peopled the earth with heroes and demigods with plutarch we walk in company with sages warriors and statesmen and kindle with admiration of their virtues or are roused to indignation at their crimes with sophocles we sound the depths of human passion and learn the sublime lesson of endurance we are charmed with an ode of horace perfect in rhythm perfect in sentiment perfect in diction and perfect in moral the condensed essence of volumes in a single page we walk with dante through the nether world awed by the tremendous power with which he depicts for us the secrets of the prison-house with milton we mount heavenward and in the immortal verse of his minor poems finer even than the stately march of paradise lost we hear celestial music and breathe diviner air with that sovereign artist shakespeare full equally of delight and of majesty we sweep the horizon of this complex human life and become comprehensive scholars and citizens of the world the masters of fiction enthrall us with their fascinating pages one moment shaking us with uncontrollable laughter and the next dissolving us in tears in the presence of all these emanations of genius the wise reader may feed on nectar and ambrosia and forget the petty cares and vexations of to-day there are some books that charm us by their wit or their sweetness others that surprise and captivate us by their strength books that refresh us when weary books that comfort us when afflicted books that stimulate us by their robust health books that exalt and refine our natures as it were to a finer mould books that rouse us like the sound of a trumpet books that illumine the darkest hours and fill all our day with delight it is books that record the advance and the decline of nations the experience of the world the achievements and possibilities of mankind it is books that reveal to us ideas and images almost above ourselves and go far to open for us the gates of the invisible a river of thought says emerson is continually flowing out of the invisible world into the mind of man and we may add that books contain the most fruitful and permanent of the currents of that mighty river i am not disposed to celebrate the praises of all books nor to recommend to readers of any age a habit of indiscriminate reading but for the books which are true helpers and teachers the thoughts of the best poets historians publicists philosophers orators if their value is not real then there are no realities in the world very true is it nevertheless that the many-sided man cannot be cultivated by books alone one may learn by heart whole libraries and yet be profoundly unacquainted with the face of nature or the life of man the pale student who gives himself wholly to books pays the penalty by losing that robust energy of character that sympathy with his kind that keen sense of the charms of earth and sky that are essential to complete development 
the world's great men says oliver wendell holmes have not commonly been great scholars nor its scholars great men to know what other men have said about things is not always the most important part of knowledge there is nothing that can dispense us from the independent use of our own faculties meditation and observation are more valuable than mere absorption and knowledge itself is not wisdom the true way to use books is to make them our servants not our masters very helpful cheering and profitable will they become when they fall naturally into our daily life and growth when they tally with the moods of the mind the habits and methods of readers are as various as those of authors thus there are some readers who gobble a book as boswell tells us dr johnson used to gobble his dinner eagerly and with a furious appetite suggestive of dyspepsia and the non-assimilation of food then there are slow readers who plod along through a book sentence by sentence putting in a mark conscientiously where they left off to-day so as to begin at the selfsame spot to-morrow fast readers who gallop through a book as you would ride a flying bicycle on a race drowsy readers to whom a book is only a covert apology for a nap and who pretend to be reading macaulay or herbert spencer only to dream between the leaves sensitive readers who cannot abide the least noise or interruption when reading and to whose nerves a footfall or a conversation is an exquisite torture absorbed readers who are so preoccupied with their pursuit that they forget all their surroundings the time of day the presence or the voices of others the hour for dinner and even their own existence credulous readers who believe everything they read because it is printed in a book and swallow without winking the most colossal lying critical and captious readers who quarrel with the blunders or the beliefs of their author and who cannot refrain from calling him an idiot or an ass and perhaps even writing him down so on his own pages admiring and receptive readers who find fresh beauties in a favourite author every time they peruse him and even discover beautiful swans in the stupidest geese that ever cackled along the flowery meads of literature reverent readers who treat a book as they would treat a great and good man considerately and politely carefully brushing the dust from a beloved volume with the sleeve or tenderly lifting a book fallen to the floor as if they thought it suffered or felt harm careless and rough readers who will turn down books on their faces to keep the place tumble them over in heaps cram them into shelves never meant for them scribble upon the margins dog-ear the leaves or even cut them with their fingers all brutal and intolerable practices totally unworthy of any one pretending to civilization to those who have well learned the art of reading what inexhaustible delights does the world of books contain with milton to behold the bright countenance of truth in the quiet and still air of delightful studies to journey through far countries with marco polo to steer across an unknown sea with columbus or to brave the dangers of the frozen ocean with nansen or dr kane to study the manners of ancient nations with herodotus to live over again the life of greece and rome with plutarch's heroes to trace the decline of empires with gibbon and momsen 
to pursue the story of the modern world in the pages of hume macaulay tears and sismonde and our own prescott motley and bancroft to enjoy afresh the eloquence of demosthenes and the polished and splendid diction of cicero to drink in the wisdom of philosophers and to walk with socrates plato and the stoics through the groves of academia to be kindled by the saintly utterances of prophets and apostles st paul's high reasoning of immortality or the seraphic visions of st john to study the laws that govern communities with the great publicists or the economy of nations with adam smith and stuart mill with the naturalists to sound the depths of the argument as to the origin of species and the genesis of man with the astronomers to leave the narrow bounds of earth and explore the illimitable spaces of the universe in which our solar system is but a speck with the mathematicians to quit the uncertain realm of speculation and assumption and plant our feet firmly on the rock of exact science to come back anon to lighter themes and to revel in the grotesque humour of dickens the philosophic page of bulwer the chivalric romances of walter scott the ideal creations of hawthorne the finished life pictures of george eliot the powerful imagination of victor hugo and the masterly delineations of thackeray to hang over the absorbing biographies of dr franklin walter scott and dr johnson to peruse with fresh delight the masterpieces of irving and goldsmith and the best essays of hazlitt de quincey charles lamb and montaigne to feel the inspiration of the great poets of all ages from homer down to tennyson to read shakespeare a book that is in itself almost a university is not all this satisfaction enough for human appetite however craving solace enough for trouble however bitter occupation enough for life however long there are pleasures that perish in the using but the pleasure which the art of reading carries with it is perennial he who can feast on the intellectual spoils of centuries need fear neither poverty nor hunger in the society of those immortals who still rule our spirits from their urns we become assured that though heaven and earth may pass away no true thought shall ever pass away the great orator on whose lips once hung multitudes dies and is forgotten the great actor passes swiftly off the stage and is seen no more the great singer whose voice charmed listening crowds by its melody is hushed in the grave the great preacher survives but a single generation in the memory of men all we who now live and act must be in a little while with yesterday's seven thousand years but the book of the great writer lives on and on inspiring age after age of readers and has in it more of the seeds of immortality than anything upon earth End of The Art of Reading by Ainsworth Rand Spofford, 6th Librarian of Congress, recording by David Wales.